got that on here. Our gospel lesson on this second Sunday after the Epiphany is from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 43. And I would encourage you to open your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible of your own, grab the one on the pew rack in front of you, and you'll find that on page 1054, 1054 in the, the, the pew Bible there. Uh, John chapter 1, beginning with verse 43, and I read in Jesus' name. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, Truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word and your word is truth. Guide us to know this truth, your truth with our minds. Help us to believe it in our hearts, but even more importantly, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may we May we live it out in our lives. So teach us your truth this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. As I reflected on this passage, I was thinking of the meaning of titles, a title. A title is, uh, describes the responsibilities and authority and often the respect a person has in a business or an organization, or in government, uh, titles such as CEO, right, chief executive officer, or uh, in government, senator or, or president, or you know, in other businesses, you might be the uh, managing, um, uh, you might be the regional manager or, or some such title, describing your responsibilities, uh, authority, and often the respect. Um, a title might describe your occupation. It's a lawyer, or a, a doctor, or an accountant. Uh, a, uh, uh, you know, whether you are, uh, oh, come on, Brent, I was trying to think of your title. Um, just tell me, because I'm, CPA. yeah, CPA, you know, uh, an accountant, right? <laughs> CPA, there's, there's, the t there's the initials. When I'm in, uh, when, I, when addressing, 
when I am addressing the uniform staff at the jail, I use the titles officer or sergeant or captain, uh, which describe their uh, responsibilities and authority within that jail setting, which, you know, respecting those proper authorities uh, are very important in that setting. Um, you know, I, for the, mo for the majority of my adult life, I've gone by the title pastor. And it, it's not an honorific title, uh, you know, just one of respect. It, it does describe what I do. It means shepherd. And it, it tells how I am to be feeding and, and caring for the flock, of, for God's people. Uh, I was reminded this week uh, of a, a title that I had even before pastor, and that was dad. And as I visited and was with my daughter um, in Lydia in Colorado, uh, I was reminded, you know, how important I am to her as, as dad, um, the responsibilities, that, but also not just respect, but love, right? Incidentally, thank you for those who were praying for us in our travels this week, and we got back safely uh, from Colorado. Uh, incidentally, uh, it is warmer here than it, than it was this week in Colorado. I've discovered uh, online, if you, if you don't have a title, you can actually go buy one. You know, you can become a, a lord or, or lady in a certain realm or a, a duke or a uh, for instance, for just a, a measly 60 euros, you can become the counter-countess of Neuschweinstein Manor. You know, so, you know, titles can be bought. You know, last week we looked at Jesus revealed as the beloved son. And in our gospel text this week, Nathaniel calls Jesus the son of God, the king of Israel. And I spoke about briefly about those titles of Jesus last week. Jesus responded to this would-be disciple by revealing another title, the Son of Man. And that is our focus for today's message, Jesus revealed as the Son of Man, and what that means for us. In the New Testament, uh, the New Testament most often refers to Jesus by his title Christ, which means, uh, in, uh, it is the Greek word, which means anointed one. That's also what the word Messiah, the Hebrew term Messiah means, anointed one. And that is his title. And we often think of Christ as Jesus' last name, you know, Jesus Christ, but Jesus the Christ, the, the Messiah, the anointed one, our Savior. Uh, but Jesus spoke of himself never as the Christ. Uh, he spoke of himself most often as the Son of Man, uh, which he did over, does over 80 times in the Gospels. Jesus is referring himself by this title. Uh, no one else in the New Testament ever uses that title for Jesus uh, except uh, for Stephen, the first martyr, when he was stoned and as he was giving his spirit up to God, 
He said, I saw heaven opened. I see heaven opened and, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God Almighty. <clears throat> so only Jesus uses the title uh, and he speaks of himself always in the third person as the Son of Man. And so let's dig in and find out what that means. Well, first in our text today, uh, Philip identifies Jesus in, in human terms as the son of Joseph. Let's take a look at verse 43 and following. If you have your Bibles, you want to, might want to follow along with me. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. We'll pause there. Philip used a few descriptors of Jesus here. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. In Deuteronomy 18.18, which incidentally will be the, our Old Testament text in a couple of weeks, in Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and promised the people of Israel Quote, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among your, their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Um, there was a widespread anticipation in that day um, that a prophet like Moses would speak God's word to them. In fact, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say you're the prophet. The one that, you know, who is coming. Others, you know, Elijah and etc. And so they were expecting this prophet like Moses. Uh, the other prophets, other Old Testament prophets, also spoke of one that God would send as uh, the Messiah, the anointed one. Uh, but most often using the title, the son of David. And, and Jesus is called that at, at, at a few times in the New Testament, the son of David. But the one whom Philip claimed was the long-awaited uh, representative of God had a rather ordinary background. And so Philip says, you know, we found you know, this one that the prophets speak, you know, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Whatever excitement Philip's words about the expected Messiah Whatever excitement that may have elicited from Nathaniel were quenched when he said that the one they found was Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh, rather an ordinary pedigree, Nathaniel thought, for one who was to be the Messiah. Um, that, that title or that descriptor, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, was the way Jesus would have been officially identified in that society. Joseph the carpenter was not the legal, or excuse me, was not, the, was not physically Jesus' father, as we know, but he was legally Jesus' father, and so uh, Jesus was identified by his name. Now, Nathaniel's sharp retort was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, there may have been some uh, crosstown rivalry there. Well, uh, you know, 
Nathanael was from Cana, where Jesus would perform his first miracle, uh, which was uh, just about a day's journey of 10 miles north of Nazareth. And so there may have been some intra, um, intra-village rivalry there. But uh, we are reminded that Jesus came into this world in the humblest of circumstances. Nazareth was a poor, insignificant village, and it doesn't even, um, it doesn't even merit a mention in the Old Testament scriptures. So, you know, Nathaniel... Is anything, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Nathaniel would quickly change his tune and offer two impressive titles for Jesus. The Son of God and the King of Israel. Look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus greeted Nathanael with a compliment. Nathanael was puzzled and wanted Jesus to explain how he could possibly have known him. Jesus then responded with an insight into Nathaniel's life that only Nathaniel would have known. Perhaps Nathaniel was praying under the fig tree. Maybe he was praying that God would finally reveal the Messiah to Israel. We don't know that. We don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, only that Jesus insight that he was sitting under that fig tree was very significant, had a great impact on on his life. We can be assured that Jesus knows us even before we know him. Jesus knows us even before we know him. Jesus' accolade to Nathaniel was actually a blessing. A blessing from the psalm, Psalm 32, verse 2 says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord accounts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So Jesus is actually putting a blessing, blessing Nathaniel, for being one in whom there is no deceit. But it was also a reference to the very first Israelite, remember Jacob, whom the Lord renamed Israel, from whom all the tribes of Israel descended. Well, you know, Jacob was a deceiver, right? Uh, In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac tells Esau, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, he, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me out of these two, he has cheated me these two times. Uh, Jacob can mean or sound like one who cheats, you know. Uh, he's a cheat. He's a deceiver. He acts deceitfully. He took away my birthright, Esau said, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Of course, later, uh, the Lord uh, changed Jacob's name to Israel. 
which means one who, who wrestles with God or strives with God. Um, as Jesus declared Nathanael to be a true Israelite, that is, one in whom there is no deceit, no uh, past, no hint of what Jacob once was. Jacob once was a deceiver, right? One who acts deceitfully. But now uh, Nathaniel is a true Israelite, and one whom there is no, no legacy of what Jacob used to be. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is identified as uh, representing the true Israel, as opposed to those who were just Israelites in name only. And, and so he tells Nathaniel uh, to say that Nathaniel was an Israelite indeed, was to say his devotion to the Lord truly marked him as one of God's chosen people. That was a great compliment uh, to, uh, of the Lord to Nathaniel. When Nathanael addressed Jesus as the Son of God, the King of Israel, he was using messianic titles that expressed the expectation of who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. And without denying the accuracy of those titles, it wasn't Jesus denied those titles, but rather Jesus identified himself with another one, a title derived from Daniel chapter 7, whom Jesus called the Son of Man. So Jesus is going to clarify uh, who he is as the Messiah. Look at verse 50 and following. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. After Nathaniel, uh, after Nathaniel did his 180 there, and now instead of um, questioning Jesus, now exalts Jesus with those titles befitting the Messiah, Jesus again refers to the Old Testament account of Jacob, and it's specifically his vision of a ladder to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Jesus promised that Nathanael and all who made uh, such a proclamation of faith will see Jesus, uh, will see that Jesus is the new Israel upon whom the angels of God would be ascending and descending. Uh, when we confess Jesus uh, using what knowledge we do have, we find that God then reveals more of Jesus to him. And so, you know, we don't have all that knowledge right off the bat, but, but as, we, as we proclaim in faith who Jesus is, and then Jesus always, God will always reveal more of Jesus to us. Uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary notes, quote, just as Jacob saw angels from heaven communicating with earth, so Nathaniel and the others would see Jesus as the divine communication from heaven to earth. The Son of Man, now replacing the latter, is God's link to us. End of quote. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man 
Christ Jesus. Jesus said he's come as the Son of Man to be that communication, to, to uh, be the one who explains God to us. Um, the title, The Son of Man, comes from Daniel chapter 7, and in verse 9 it says, as, as I looked, and this is Daniel writing his vision that he saw, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire, and it's this epic picture of, of, of God and his glorious throne. And, and, and he goes on to say that there were um, thousands upon thousands who served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And then goes on in verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, that is to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all peoples, nations, and languages uh, should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that will not be destroyed. Now, to come on the clouds of heaven as this one like the Son of Man, to come on the clouds of heaven means that this person in the form of a man, is indeed God. In Scripture, only God rides on the clouds. Uh, Psalm, as it says in Psalm 104, for instance, verse 3, that the clouds are, the, are God's chariots, uh, or in Isaiah 19.1. Only God is to be served, that is, worshipped by all peoples, nations, and languages. And so this one, like the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of heaven, is indeed God in the form of man. No one before Jesus ever spoke of the Messiah as the Son of Man. That just wasn't one of the titles uh, at the time when Jesus came on this earth. No one had used that for the Messiah Jesus is now introducing it. Uh, Jesus used that title to give his hearers a clearer understanding of what God's anointed one, what God's Messiah would actually accomplish. It emphasized his human as well as his divine nature. Jesus self-identified as the Son of Man who took upon himself our humanity for the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus took upon himself our humanity to become a servant, to suffer and to die and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the Gospel of Mark, that's the key verse in the Gospel of Mark is Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus also taught that as the Son of Man, he would come again in glory and power on the clouds with his holy angels 
coming to be both judge and king. Our catechism teaches it was necessary for our Savior to be true man in order that he might fulfill the law for us and suffer and die in our place. It goes on to say it was necessary for our Savior to be true God so that, by that, so that his blood may have unlimited power to pay for the sins of all people. Jesus came into our world in humility. People of Nazareth just said, Who's, who, who does this guy think he is? Isn't this the carpenter? You know, He was so ordinary to those uh, that knew him in that 30 years of obscurity. Uh, Jesus came into our world in humility. He took on our flesh, becoming like us in every respect, except he had no sin. He was like us in every way, except he did not sin like us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 explains, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He lived in obscurity for 30 years as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. He lived a perfect life, fulfilling a law that we could not keep. And he suffered and died in our place, releasing us from the debt that we could not pay. And all of this he did as the son of man. But because Jesus was also the Son of God, his death was able to pay for the sins of the whole world. And because Jesus was the Son of God, death could not hold him. By his death, he destroyed the power of death. And by his resurrection, he gives eternal life to all who put their trust in him. Jesus is uniquely Son of Man and Son of God. And he is the only one, as Son of Man and Son of God, that could be our Savior. He is the only one that is truly our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you came to us. You came to us in the person of Jesus. You took upon our, our flesh. You went through, you carried our uh, in Jesus, you bore our sorrows and, and, and carried um, our, our, uh, our griefs, Lord. You, you, you went through all the struggles we go through, and yet you did it so perfectly that your death would pay, that the death of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, would pay the, the full price for all our sins. And Lord, if there's anyone who's hearing my voice today that is not repented and, and come to faith in Jesus. May they, may they cry out to you, yes, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I know that Jesus died on that cross to pay the full price for my sin. But I also believe that, that death could not hold him and he, he rose from the dead to give me the certainty of eternal life. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life now as my Savior, Lord. 
And so just as certainly you live in me, I, I can begin to live for you. And Lord, I just pray that all of us would realize what a great Savior we have in Jesus. He knows us so well, loves us still, and is at work to recreate us in his image. So thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent to us Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, Son of Man and Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.